If you could make your way back in and find a place to sit, that would be awesome. It's dangerous to let you guys go to start talking to each other. We might never get you back. So this morning we have an awesome privilege. We have a guest speaker who's with us this morning. It's Pastor Jack and Sandy Hemfling, and they've been in Leroy at the Church of Living Waters for 20 years, which is amazing. So the average pastor, I guess, are only at a church for under four years, which is pretty amazing. So if he's been in Leroy for 20 years and they didn't kick him out, then you know he's doing something right. So, so we want to invite Pastor Jack and Sandy to come and to share with us this morning. Would you guys welcome him? Thanks, John. Wow, this is the first time I've been here on a Sunday morning, uh, but I feel like it's old home week because uh, so many people here that I know. My gosh, Mark Bennett, good to see you back there. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, in fact, as I was praying and preparing to be with you this morning, I, I, was, uh, I was not prepared for the emotion that started rising up inside of me as I thought about uh, coming to be here because... Um, we're, we're stepping, we're, we gave our announcement to the church earlier this year that we're stepping back into missions, but I thought about all the people that I know that would be here, and uh, even I thought about who wouldn't be here, uh, Art Barr, who's been nothing but kind to and encouraging to us over the years, but I thought about the, the Webbers here, and, and Pastor Chris has been such a great friend to, to me personally for so long. I thought of Andy and Kathy Maurer. Uh, it just have been such a blessing to us. And, and now I'm looking around the room and I see all these Camp Judah people um, who've poured into our uh, kids from the church and our kids personally, Nick over here. Uh, and uh, in fact, my first experience was with camp, with camp was uh, way before I was in Leroy. I was an associate pastor in Mount Morris and uh, I was uh, my first year as a counselor I said, okay, I'll try this. If you really, you really think you want me, I'll try this. And they said, okay, let's give Pastor Jack the 18-year-olds. And I'm like, well, thanks. <laughs> but my 18-year-olds included Jonathan Lonneville, Noah Maurer, and uh, it was actually, I don't think that either of them said 10 words to me all week, but it was a good week. <laughs> I, I, I lived, I made it through it. But I have to tell one story. Jeremy's not here today, is he? Okay. The, um, the, the, the bottom, he was, he was the counselor for our youngest son, Joseph, when he went to camp his first year as an eight-year-old. And the bottom line that I want you to remember is that my son had an awesome week. In fact, he did not want to come home. And, you know, Jeremy was an incredible blessing. But when we showed up to pick Joe up at camp, he was wearing the same T-shirt and shorts and his hair looked a little unkept. And I said, and, and we looked in his bag, and every pair of underwear and shirts that we put in there was still just clean and neatly folded and hadn't been touched all week. And I, it, I said, Joe, did you take a shower all week? And he said, Dad, we swam in the pool every day. And um, so I guess the chlorine was uh, enough. You know, for him, I wouldn't have wanted to swim in there after he was in there, but, um, but anyway, so I, I was put on the board of Camp Judah after that, and one of the things I insisted was that in the training, they said, uh, make sure the eight-year-old boys took at least one shower and brushed their teeth at least one time during the, during the week. And I think that's still in the training manual, I, I believe. But here's what I know from hanging around the people in this church is that you have a tremendous sense of of that eternity matters, that life and death are at stake in our serving the Lord. In fact, as we were worshiping, I was reminded of something I hadn't thought about in a long time. It's when Sandy's father, I mean, he, he uh, came down with bladder cancer in his later years, and, um, and at one point he, he broke down to me and, and said, I... I uh, 
I've asked the Lord for forgiveness for my sins. He, he wanted me to do his funeral, and he said, uh, I've asked the God for forgiveness for my transgressions. Do you think he'll forgive me? And I was able to lead him in an assurance of his salvation. And when he died, eventually, shortly after his death, I had a dream, and I just this came back to me a little bit ago, that... Um, in the dream, I was on some sort of a carriage being taken somewhere out of this world into this gorgeous place, and there was a beautiful mansion, and it was stunningly beautiful. And, um, and then out of the mansion came my father-in-law. And he came, and he wrapped his arms around me and said, Welcome. And then this was the next words out of his mouth were, Who did you bring with you? And I realized that's the cry of heaven. If you, you know, if you've got a taste of heaven, you want everybody to be there. And, and so if there's one thing I know about this church is that heaven matters, eternity matters. And I wonder sometimes if we believe what we say we believe as we're living our, day, our life day, day in and day out. Um, a few years ago, we, uh, Elam Bible Institute offered a course in the evening called Ministry to Muslims. And... I looked at Sandy, I said, let's, let's take it. Let's, it's an evening class, let's take this. And then about halfway through the semester, I thought, why are we doing this? There isn't a Muslim anywhere near Leroy, New York. It's 99.9% white Anglos. What, what, what are we doing this for? Then this prophetic guy came to our church, and he, said, he, he turned to Sandy and I and said, I see the two of you ministering to Arab peoples one day. And... Uh, and then we were invited to RIT two years in a row to minister at the basic college group. And both years, one of the students invited a Muslim for the first time to come to the group. And both times we got to minister to them. And both of them were impacted mightily. In fact, this girl from Saudi Arabia had become a Christian, de deeply devoted to the Lord. But um, so um, let me back up a little bit. Um, we, we, back in the 80s, before we ever thought of coming to New York, we, uh, we were both from Ohio, um, and uh, before we ever heard of Elam Bible Institute, we did, uh, we, we became familiar with Youth of the Mission Denver. You can put up the logo there. there um, and Youth of the Mission's mission is that it's a global movement full of young people like Sandy and I. Uh, driven by a passion to know God and make him known. Don't we look like we qualify for youth of the mission? Anyway, back in the 80s, we, went, we, we did a one-week outreach. I, I was working in forestry at the time. Then later that year, we took a uh, leave of absence from my job in forestry, and we did a six-month discipleship training school. And Youth with a Mission has various schools. They do discipleship training schools, secondary leadership schools, others, and they train mostly college-age students and then send them on extensive outreaches around the world. And we've stayed in touch with this Denver base ever since. We came to Elam Bible Institute several years later. I left a career in forestry, and, and um, we've been involved in missions or pastoring various times since then. But we've gone back for the last probably eight years or so, every, well, at least once or twice a year to teach there and they've always said you guys would be great if you come here full time would you do that and we've said no I don't think so I don't think so I think they're going to bury me down around the corner from my house in Leroy and and um, um, but this year the 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 youth of the mission base in Denver is going to has has already turned all of its focus on the Muslim majority world there are 1500 youth of the mission bases around the world, and we're talking tens of thousands of staff. At the Denver base, there's 45 young staff, most of them in their 20s. Um, and um, so there are right now 7,000 estimated ethnic groups that don't have a church, a reproducing church, uh, haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and most of them are in the Muslim world. And so we've been connecting to them, and this year it's a huge step of faith we're taking to let we uh, stepping down from our church and going back to youth of the mission and uh, we'll be part of planning preparing teams and participating in trips overseas and even right now with covid travel restrictions with covid travel restrictions they they there was just a team that came back from this base from lebanon um, 
There's uh, a team that we were just out there for a staff retreat a few weeks ago uh, where the incoming new and existing staff all wanted to all were brought together to merge. And um, there was uh, one person that they had sent out from there to Tajikistan. Uh, he's working, he and his base there, uh, sent from the Denver base, they're, they're discipling uh, uh, Afghani Christians that are fleeing Afghanistan over the mountains and, and discipling them. And um, there's a team right now, though, preparing that, that left that week that was on its way to Dubai and then on to Turkey to work with Muslim immigrants. There's another school preparing right now to send a group to Turkey and Greece to work with Muslim immigrants. So this is an incredibly committed uh, base, and I feel like the Lord's given me a word that's going to encourage you, though, about your uh, your walk with God today. And uh, But we have a few resources in the lobby. If you're interested, there's a brochure that shows two really beautiful people kissing in front of the YWAM Denver. Uh, Youth of the Missions acronym is YWAM, uh, but we're, we're kissing in front of the, the sign out there. And then there's... Uh, there's some information on what are 100 Muslim-majority locations that this base is going to reach toward. And, uh, and then there's a book that I wrote years ago, a devotional for short-term missionaries. Who are the ne- whoever the next short-term missionaries are from Family Life Church, just pick one up and take it. Um, there's all kinds of uh, denominations have been using that. But I'm going to ask Sandy to come up and share. Um, in fact, um, the, the day we were invited to come to Elam Fellowship and interviewed to become missionaries of Elam Fellowship to Youth of the Mission. Um, like an hour before, she thought of a, an area meeting that had happened at our church a few years ago and talked to Sylvia Evans. But would you share about that? And then whatever God's put in your heart. All right. Okay. Well, good morning. Uh, so good to be here. And... Um, <laughs> Oh, thank you. Um, I just want to say how much um, I just love the prophetic. The last time that we were here, it was so many years ago, and Hector Santos was here. And actually, Hector had a word for us. So um, just God is amazing. But um, as about, well, anyway, probably about six years ago on uh, Palm Sunday, um, I was alone. It was before I went to church, and I felt like God brought a thread. And I talk about threads is over the many years we've gotten prophetic words, the Holy Spirit will take pieces of those words and bring them back at the right time. And so this thread came to me, so to speak, that Sunday, and this is what the Lord said, and it was from a word from Robbie Evans. Do you guys know Robbie Evans? Has he been here? Yes, no? Okay. Anyway, um, but he had said um, over us, he had said something like, um, something about the first phase and the second phase, and God spoke very clearly to me and said, the second phase is you're going to be installing a new pastor. And um, so after church, after that service that day, Jack came home and I told him what God spoke to me. And he was not a happy camper. He said, don't tell me that. I love Leroy. I want to die here. Well, God has other plans, that's for sure. And uh, six years later, it's literally coming to pass. Uh, God has something new for us. And I was reminded before I came down here, I love the song, New Wine. And um, we were on a sabbatical three years ago, four years ago in Australia when that song came out from Hillsong. And it talks about new wine um, and a new wineskin. And that's what it requires is a new wineskin. And I just feel like these are days, period, where God is doing new things. And it says in the song, it says, I have to lay down my old flames to pick up the new. And, um, and that's what we're having to to do. We're literally laying our church aside, the people that we love, we're literally laying that down to pick up this new wineskin. And it was amazing because God spoke a word to me before we were out at that staff retreat. This is from um, 2 Kings, and it's 2 Kings, um, I'm just going to read this too. And this is about Elisha's life. And Um, And this is what it says. He says, Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold now, the situation of the city is pleasant, and as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. 
So he said, bring me a new jar, a new jar, and put salt in it. And so they brought it to him. He went out to the spring of water and threw salt in it and said, thus says the Lord, I have purified these waters. There shall no longer be any death or unfruitfulness any longer. And um, if there's any place that's been a place of death, it's been the Middle East. No water, unfruitfulness, but this is the season. This is the time that God says, and of course, who is the salt? Who is the salt, guys? We are the salt. Everybody point to yourself. We are the salt. We are the salt. And God says, I'm going to pour the salt, throw the salt out, because it's in God's heart that that land and those people become fruitful. And I remember many years ago, and then y'all turn it back to you, but I remember just reading a book many years ago about a missionary named just Lilius Trotter. Has anybody read a book by her? Has anybody heard of Lilius Trotter here? Nope, nope. But anyway, um, she was a missionary at the turn of the century. She went to North Africa, and she literally labored there for 40 years and saw four converts. Unbelievable, huh? But she never lost her faith and belief that the time would come. She was artistic, and she also drew many pictures that are in books now. But she saw that there were buds on that tree, and that eventually the buds would open, and that it was, you know, that that would happen, and that many, many Muslims would come to Christ. And now is that time. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Whether Muslims are in Europe, as you know, they're just coming to Christ many many and it's amazing that we who have never known any Muslims personally we who never thought when Hector Santos said over us I see you taking short-term teams onto the mission field you know to minister to Muslims I'm saying never that's not going to be us God don't ever say never because God said absolutely you're the ones that are going to go you're going to train you're going to teach but you're also going to go so we're very excited you who who are close in our age, God, I just feel like the word of the Lord to us who are over 50 is young people are looking for mothers and fathers. One of the things that the YWAMers have said to us is they said, we've been praying praying that God would send mothers and fathers in the faith to love us, to disciple us, and to encourage us. So no matter what your age, man, God still has many purposes and plans for your life. It's okay. It's okay. So um, she made reference to us being in Australia a few years ago, 2018. We have two, two grown children there. And um, uh, Andrew works on staff at Hillsong. Uh, he's been there about six or seven years. Uh, he's married. His wife is expecting any day. Uh, my daughter has been there about 12 years. By the way, I've never felt so grateful for the opportunity just to meet and worship together as I do now because here's Hillsong, known for its incredible worship. Uh, they're so locked down in Australia because of this pandemic. We went to watch their service last night online and they're literally just playing. Uh, they, they're not allowed to meet together. Andrew can't drive more than three miles from his house. Um, uh, the, they've put out the army to have checkpoints to make sure people aren't violating the rules. And they're literally, for their church service, their online church service, uh, Brian Houston gives his message in front of a, a camera person, but their worship is just snippets of recorded worship over the years that they're put together. So the fact that we, you and I can meet together live is such an incredible blessing. We don't want to take it for granted, and we really want to pray that God will... Uh, you know, the enemies meant this thing for evil, that God will use it for good to draw so many to himself. But um, uh, we want to pray this pandemic out of here. Amen. Um, so why, why would this couple in their 60s leave a comfortable town where everybody knows you and uh, you've got a stable salary and all of that stuff to go back into missions? Well, I would say it's exactly because we are in our early 60s and we believe what we said we believed because uh, and, like, and I'm like you in that respect we we believe what we say we believe and and every year that goes by you know I started to just feel this unsettledness and every year that goes by I've uh, been more and more aware that I'm closer to seeing Jesus I'm you know if I believe that that uh 
I'm closer to actually standing before the Lord than I was five years ago, then why would I start putting all my energy into getting more stuff and acquiring more things that I'm going to have to let go of anyway very shortly? Why would I do that? Or, or the, the, cho- the other choice is I can pour myself out for however long I have left for the one who poured himself out for us. We just celebrated communion for, for, to, in honor of the one who poured himself out for us. So I, I saw a little bit ago you had a countdown going there uh, during the break, five-minute countdown. Um, and um, I thought, we, I mean, we used that before our service in Leroy. What would happen if we lived like we were really in a countdown, that we don't have that much time? This life really is short. And so I don't want to spend my, my time. We're wrestling right now because uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're downsizing from a four-bedroom house with a garage and basement to a two-bedroom apartment in Denver. We just have to get there. And uh, the housing market's too insane to buy a house there right now. So we just got to get there. And we're wrestling with, what's, you know, our, we're wrestling with our soul, sometimes with one another. Like, what are we keeping? What are we getting rid of? What are we giving away? I'm taking about six trips to the Salvation Army. I'm giving stuff right and left. But it's like this, this attachment we have to stuff in this life is so, I, I have, I, I looked at the basement the other day. I have five fishing rigs leaning against the wall. I love to fish, but I'm one guy. What do I have five fishing rigs for? I, Anybody here need a fishing rig? I'll get one to you. Got little kid, <laughs> okay? Um, so, um, you know, it's an American problem, but it's also a human problem. That that we we it's so easy to clutch onto our stuff. Uh, and um, in Luke chapter 18, there's the story of the rich young ruler, and he's he says, I, you know, I I've I've list, I've obeyed all the laws up to this point, and Jesus says, there's just one thing you lack. Sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow me. And he was sad, and he went away not, not, not following. And Jesus didn't say, wow, that was a great encounter I had. The Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge. I spoke it to that guy. He came under such conviction. He started crying. It was a God moment. No, he didn't say that. He said, it's sure hard for the rich to come into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, you could... You can more easily take a St. Bernard and put it through the eye of a needle. He didn't use St. Bernard, but I'm just bringing it home since we don't have camels around here. And then the very next chapter, there's the story of Zacchaeus. And the first words it says about Zacchaeus is that he was a wealthy man. But Zacchaeus, when he, he, Zacchaeus' heart did respond. And he said, I'm giving half of my, my belongings away to the poor. And if I've wronged people, I'm going to pay them back four times. And Jesus said, now salvation came to that house today. That's a sobering, sobering combination of stories within one chapter of each other in the Gospel of Luke. Um, last year, we went to, um, out to Colorado. Just We were praying about this decision about whether to let go of the church and join the staff full-time. And while we were out there over a weekend, we went to a church in the city of Denver, and there was a, a leader in that church that we were talking with after the service and ex- explaining why we were there and what we were considering this big move. And we have two kids in Australia and, a, and one in Maryland. And, and uh, this person said, you know, back when our generation, they were our generation, this back when we got saved, there was this common, very religious attitude about, you know, just surrendering everything to the Lord and giving him our all. And sometimes I think God wants us to position ourselves to be happier and um, something to that effect. And when they said that, I thought of this video our son Joe had told us about called Sheep Among Wolves. Uh, It's about the Iranian church. And in the Iranian church, which is the fastest growing church in the world, has there's not a church building in the country, not a pastor in the, in the country, but there was a couple from Iran who, who, who were able to flee and escape because being a Christian, they're so dangerous. Uh, people are uh, um, beaten, abused, killed for coming to Christ. Women who come to Christ are thrown in dungeons and raped. And this, this couple had gotten out of Iran to the United States, been here a few years, and then the wife said to the husband, I think we, we need to get back to Iran. We need to get back there. And the husband's like, why would, why would you want to go back there? And she said, this was her quote. 
She said, there's a satanic lullaby being sung over the church in America, and I feel myself getting sleepy. So I, when this, this person said that to us in Colorado, I thought, well, try saying that to the church in Iran. Try telling them, I think God wants to position you to be happier. You know, it just, it did, it just set off all kinds of alarm bells. And I'm not trying to over-dramatize the decision we're making. We're not moving to the third world. We're not, gonna, we're not moving to Sudan or something like that. For goodness sake, we're going to be living in Colorado. The Rocky Mountains will be close by with insight. It's, it's a beautiful area, prosperous. But what we're saying is that there's a kingdom that's more important than what we can see here. And that's what, you, that's what this church has recognized in pouring its soul and heart and energy into the youth and to, into camps and, and so forth. It's like there, there's something at stake that's, that's more important and deeper than what we see. So I was looking at what Jesus felt was a priority when he said, you know, my kingdom isn't of this world or from this world. It, my kingdom is, is, another, is a different one. In fact, when he was put before the most powerful man in the region, King, King Herod, Sent there by Pilate, he, he had the opportunity to talk to this corrupt leader and tell him what he thought. He it said he uttered not a word. That, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here about Rome. I'm here so that people's hearts can be transformed one at a time and change the culture that way. So um, I want to look uh, at a couple things in Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to share something that's really going to encourage your faith this morning. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see. Are you certain of what you say you believe? Are you certain of it? Are you sure of it? How many of you are absolutely sure that Jesus is the Son of God? He died for you and rose again. How, how, many, are, how many are sure of it? How, were you there? Did you see it happen? Come on. How, you just believe it. How many of you are sure that God's never going to leave you or forsake you? How many of you believe it? Why? You believe it because he promised it. How many of you are absolutely certain that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? Are you certain of it? Because he promised it. That's why. You, you, you. So recently, I'm reading Hebrews 11, this chapter that's called, the, uh, nicknamed the Hall of Faith. There's all these Old Testament heroes uh, who believed God's promises and did amazing things. Uh, and, you know, their, their actions weren't based on logic or reason. It was just based on faith in the promises of God. And I think of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego who, who <clears throat> they decided, you know, we're not going to bow down to this idol that the king has, you know, to, to die. We'd, we'd be better off dying than to do that because of God's promises to us. So I'm reading this. And you get to this hall of faith, you know, and in fact, in here, there's a lot of people walking through the, in heaven's record will be hall of faith. By faith, uh, Karen and Chris came to Warsaw to Family Life Church. By faith, John and April have stepped up to the leadership here. By faith, you came to church this morning because you thought you, you believed you'd encounter God. Amen? That you came here by faith. And by faith, you married your spouse because you believed God's grace would be there to make you one. Amen? Let's stop right now. There's somebody here that's having doubt that God's going to carry you through to the end. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just ask for your grace to be poured out on every married couple in this place to continue to hold on to the promises of God that, Lord, you would cause them to become one and you'll hold them till the end. They'll be faithful till death does part them. Every couple in here, in Jesus' name. That wasn't in the notes. Here's a promise about the nations that was made to you and I and to Family Life Church. It says, Psalm 2.8, Ask of me, I'll give you the nations as an inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. This is a promise. It's a promise. And you can possess the nations by, by going. You can possess the nations by praying. You can possess the nations by giving. So many ways to possess nations, but it's a promise. And I was looking, uh, I was looking through the scriptures and, and going online and Googling and all of that, and there are 87 verses that speak about 
the promise that God will bring the nations to him. 87, and that doesn't even count. I read, I was reading all the uh, minor prophets last year, and they're all saying, I'm go- God's saying, I'm going to do this so that all may know. I'm going to do this to Egypt so that everybody will know. I'm going to do this to Edom so that everybody will know. And that, so there's even more. God, everything he's doing, he's wanting to bring nations to himself. God has spoken many promises to you. So I'm reading through this Hebrews 11, and all of a sudden, I come to verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, he spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. It says, by faith, Enoch did this. By faith, Noah did that. Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, Jacob. Joseph gave instructions about his bones. I'm like, what is that in there for? How many of you care about what happens to your bones when you die? I, I, I mean, I told Sandy, you can sprinkle my ashes on the Rocky Mountains, throw them in the Owatka Creek. I don't care. I, who cares about my bones? I thought about Joseph and all the incredible things he did in his life. I mean, here's this guy. He was 17. His brothers send him off to, to as a slave in Egypt. His, his great-grandfather, Abraham, had been given this promise about Canaan and the promised land. He told his son Isaac about it. Isaac told Jacob. Isaac Isaac told, or Jacob told his 12 sons, including Joseph. Joseph gets sent there, and uh, he serves Potiphar. He gets, he gets tempted, thrown in a dungeon unfairly. And all, all of this history of Joseph, at age 30, he finally gets released from dungeon, brought before Pharaoh. He becomes the, the, the second in command over the nation. And he dies at age 110 after living there in Egypt for 93 years. It says in Genesis 50, and Joseph said to his brethren, verse 24, he's, at, he's 110 years old now. He's been there since he was 17. He said, I'm dying, but God will surely visit you, bring you out of this land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath. From the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So 359 years later, Moses carried his bones through the desert to the promised land. What was, I'm like, Lord, why is that in there? Of all the things Joseph did, his incredible acts of faith, he he served Potiphar as a slave by faith, was a good, good man. He, he resisted temptation by faith. He, he served in the dungeon by faith and was elevated for all he did there. He did all this stuff by faith. He saved the whole civilized world by faith. And yet, this is what you re- honor him for? Giving instructions about his bones? What's up with that? What it said to me is that Joseph saying, I believe with all my heart, no matter how long I live in this place, that God promised us that place. And I will not doubt God's promises to me. Faith says God will never fail at his word. Here were all these Old Testament leaders who, who they obeyed God, believed his promises that some of them didn't see come to pass for a very long time. Some of them never saw them come to pass, but they hung on to them. Joseph was like, he could have been buried as a mummy. He could have been buried in Egypt. They could have put, built another pyramid as famous as he was. He could have, the tourists could be coming there today to see Joseph's pyramid if he'd have wanted. He said, no, 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 no. There was a promise made by God, and I don't want you ever to forget it. Never forget it. So to make sure you never forget it, carry my bones out when you do. And those bones kept speaking to the people of Israel year after year after year. Dad, what's that skeleton doing in our house? (laughs) Dad, that's awful weird. We're carrying a mummy, a a coffin through the desert here? What, What is this? No, that's because there was a promise made that we're never going to forget. The bones were living bones. There was a promise made. Joseph could have, when he was dying, he could have said, you know, let me just tell you all my sons and grandsons and 
descendants. Let me just tell you all the great things God did for us. I had a big testimony time. Or he could have, he could have just said, hey, um, you know, let me explain to you how Egyptians and Israelites could live together in peace. Let me give you some instruction on that. Now that we're here, we're all here now, let's, let me explain how you can do that. Or he could have, he could have tried to put some, some of his descendants in positions of power so that Israel would always be influential. But no, he said, no matter how long he lived there, his heart was in the promise of God. His heart was in another place. He'd married an Egyptian woman. He probably learned the language in 90-some years, 93 years he lived there. He had sons by this Egyptian wife. His country that he served had saved the whole civilized world from starvation. He had to love his country. And God wants us to live in the now. He, he served in the now everywhere he was. And God wants you and I to live in the now. Go ahead, love your community. Love the people he's brought into the circle of your, uh, your, your relationships. Love them with all your heart. Pour yourself out to them. But never let your heart get, get knit together with this world and these kingdoms because these kingdoms will pass away. But there's one that will never pass away and his words will never pass away. Though heaven and earth will pass away, his words won't. And don't let time, there's promises that have been made to you. The scriptures are full of promises to you about his provision for your family. For your life. And sometimes time goes by and time goes by and we can get so discouraged. Can you imagine how discouraged the Israelite people were when generation after generation passed and they were still in that land of Egypt as slaves no less being beaten and abused, and yet they, 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 they kept the bones. They kept them. They didn't toss them out. They said, this is stupid keeping these bones. They kept them because there was a promise made, and they didn't forget it. And it says uh, in the book of Exodus that when they left, Moses carried the bones on out. We're talking 359 years after Joseph died. We're carrying them out. Your life matters now. It matters here. It matters among the people you Sir, live in the now, but don't let your heart get knit. Don't get settled in a world that's not yours. Those bones are alive and they speak. Don't lose track of the promises made. And so I'm going to wrap this up by saying this. God wants to give you a ministry of carrying bones. That's what Joseph's basically saying to the, the people when he was about to die. He said, I want to give you, a, I want to give you a, a role, a job, a ministry. I want you to keep the bones. That's your job. Keep the bones and carry them back. Carry them to the land of promise. Now I want to ask you, would you be a people who would be bone carriers, if you will, if you were just like those promises. Let's consider them bone. We sang a song. I, I, there aren't many worship songs about bones, but Jonathan, you had one. Yeah, there was a phrase about bones in there. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, these old bones. Let's carry these bones. Let's carry the bones of God's words, his promises to you in faith, not letting go, not letting go to the very end. Will you accept that? Those promises for yourself and the promises for this church and you to possess nations. I want to go back to Genesis 50 again and read that one more time. Genesis 50, verse 24. Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. Was that true? Did his sons, did anybody who, did anybody who heard that carry the bones up? No. They all died. But they didn't throw out the bones. They held on to them for the generation after them, their kids, the grandkids. God will surely visit you, he said. I want us to repeat that. God will surely visit us. Do you believe God wants to surely visit us again here at Warsaw?
at Family Life Church in fresh, powerful ways. Let's say that God will surely visit us. Do you, do you think that the best years of Family Life Church have been passed, or do you think the best years are still ahead? God will surely visit. Jonathan, the best years are still ahead. Your dad had great years. The best years are still ahead. The best years are still ahead. God will surely visit us again. Your impact in the nations isn't, isn't diminished. May it always increase. God will surely visit you because he's got a possession and a promise for you. Pastor Chris, would you come? And I just want to pray with you. Would Would you stand with me? I just believe God wants to cause us to pray together and believe him for just a fresh outpouring and a fresh fresh visitation of his spirit in this community, this county, this region. We, we love our region. We, we, we came to western New York 32 years ago. And um, we, we love it. It's green. I mean, despite the, the winters, it's green. The flowers are gorgeous. Your flowers out front, by the way, are amazing. Um, Denver's dry and dusty, and the Middle East is even drier and dustier. But, you know, okay, live in the now, enjoy it, appreciate it, pour yourself out for it, but there's more for us all. Father, we thank you, God. I thank you for this fellowship. I thank you for the friends we have here, but I thank you, Lord, for the kingdom that we can't see that often is so easy to lose sight of in light of what we do see. Father, I pray for an impartation of fresh faith to continue and lay hold of the promises you've given us the kingdom that's not visible with the human eye but comes with power to transform and change and heal, to save and deliver. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask Sandy if you'd come on up and join your husband here for just a second so that we could pray for you and John and April and Karen, Tom and Sharon. You come up and join with me. Uh, if I am recalling correctly, you didn't specifically say it that I heard anyways, I think you have like, this is the first day of the last month in the area for you. You'll be leaving in September, September right, for Denver where he will be serving on staff at YWAM helping to mother and father a generation who want to touch the nations. From the very first day when this pandemic hit and I had an empty room that I was preaching to for the very first time to a camera, I said to you the same thing which has been said today, which is if our focus is on arguing for our rights, American rights, inalienable rights, we've lost track of who we really are. We are called citizens of another kingdom. It's an invisible kingdom, but it's a real kingdom, and that's what we're about. So we want to see God bless uh, Jack and Sandy as they make their way out and this new phase of their ministry, which continues, because although you might, in fact, retire from a position, you never retire from being a follower of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ. So we want to bless them. So would you guys come on right up here and others gather right around them? We want to pray for them. Come right in here. Would you extend your hand towards them, and we're going to believe God for his blessing. You can. You may. Hallelujah. Jesus, your mercy to us is so great. Thank you. Father, as we have gathered together today, it's within an awareness that something is afoot. Uh, C.S. Lewis would say, Aslan is on the move. That there's more involved in a life than just getting by, than being able to say, I survived. It, it's having life 
with purpose, on purpose. And so, Lord, I thank you for this couple who have so lived their lives and committed their life to you that no matter what you call, when you call, their answer is always the same. It's yes, Lord. You have cared for us all the way, and we will follow you to the very end. No turning back. No turning back. Lord, we used to sing that years ago. Well, Lord, that's still the cry of our heart. Where he leads me, I will follow. And so, Lord, we ask for a blessing to rest upon them, a blessing of health and strength, of wisdom even beyond their years. I know they're getting up there, but, Lord, wisdom beyond their years to be able to speak into hearts and lives and to take them from where they have been to a new place in you. Lord, in the same way that Joseph said, God will visit you. Lord, I pray that you would visit the YWAM base in Denver as they go to share. But beyond there, that that visitation would spread to the nations of the earth, including, Lord, to Muslim nations, because you are not against those people at all. You love them every bit as much as you love us. And so, Lord, we pray for an outpouring upon the peoples of the earth. Lord, we've heard, we've heard testimonies of folks who have been awakened with dreams of Jesus speaking to mullahs and other imams. Well, Lord, we're praying that it would increase, increase, Father, and that you would use these servants to further the intent and purpose of your kingdom, a kingdom that will know no end. Of the increase of his kingdom, let it go on to nation after nation, including, Father, these Muslim nations, which are the focus at this time. But, Lord, we know that you have a way of, even in the midst of the travels, touching other peoples, even as Joseph did in his travels uh, from Potiphar's house to, to the jail itself. He touched them on his way to his destiny. Lord, I pray that that would be their experience. So, Lord, I pray the blessing of Almighty God upon them that you would further your purposes in and through them. Let great grace rest upon them, we pray. Um, As you guys were standing here, I felt like the Lord um, gave me kind of a picture of, um, I think, titled The Cycle of Affection, that this season is going to become Um, the cycle of affection where he pours into you and you have more than enough to give away. And that as you go to the YWAM base, that you guys are going to be just a breath of fresh air to um, the, the younger generation there, that they'll be able to look to you and say, what a privilege and a joy it is to serve the Lord. Look at them at this season in their life. There's so much joy and delight in being able to receive from heaven and have all that you need and more than enough to pour out Um, as you give there. And so I just wanted to bless you guys with that this morning, that as you move forward in this, there's almost a sense of just your second wind, that there's no obligation, that your legs are not weary, but there's a fresh breath and a fresh strength um, for this next season, and that it's going to be coming from that cycle of affection, that as, as you're with him and as he pours into you, you have more than enough to give out to the point where you can't even help it and you're pouring out of your abundance and blessing those that you come in contact with there. Uh, Two things. First of all, um, I saw a picture of you on a merry-go-round, and at first I was thinking, you know, like life can be a merry-go-round, you know, and and I saw you stepping off of it. But um, as I just waited on the Lord more, he brought a word into that. And, um, you know, if you go to an amusement park, you can get like, you can pay it for one ticket, or maybe it's like four tickets now, and get on a ride. Um, or you can maybe get like a four-hour pass and go on, or you can get a day pass. Or around here, if you want to go to Darien Lake and you're really, really lucky, you might have a season pass. Um, Or maybe there's such a thing, I don't know, as like a lifelong pass. But um, what I I understood of what the Lord was saying is like, um, if you can picture like the biggest amusement park in the world, I don't know where that is, but just kind of imagine that. And the difference between where you've been and where, you've going, where you're going is like you have been just on one merry-go-round. And what God has for you is so much more that when you look back, you'll be like, oh, my goodness, we, were, we loved where we were, but we were in that 
that place that now looking back seems so small because God has this expansive thing for us. And the merry-go-round was fun. But you're going to have a roller coaster and you're going to have a water park and you're going to have those things that fly you high up in the air and bounce you down. <laughs> like just um, kind of a wild ride, but that um, it's just so much more. And um, it's, it's a good thing. And, you know, you said, <laughs> um, you talked about that you're not asking the Lord to take you to a happy place, but I believe what he has for you will be joy-filled because you're walking in, in his plan and his will. And Sandy, you got up here and you wanted to fiddle in his pocket and get the phone and, and record, and I felt like the Lord was saying um, that like scouts, you were prepared, mm -hmm. and what you were prepared for was to hear the voice of the Lord. And that has been a part of your preparation. You shared that here today. Like right away, you said it to me personally, and you said it up here. Like, I love the prophetic. It's because you love the voice of God, and that is what has led you to hear. And that preparation is what is going to propel you forward, but it's also going to continue to be a key. And you have to remember, when you're not sure, when there's two paths, or when someone is telling you, no, you can't do that, you've got to do this, you come back and you be prepared. And you say, Lord, we want to hear your voice, and that's going to be the key. That's what's going to guide you and direct you and comfort you and encourage you is going to be the voice of the Lord. One of the things that uh, Karen said is it would be a wild ride. And as I was praying, I felt like, you know, there, there's... Um, a sense, and I, I don't want to take it any farther than that, but there's a sense in which the wildness of the ride won't always feel easy at times. You know, it's not like you're going to a group of people and saying, hey, do you guys want to take a cruise? Let's go do something fun. You're, you're basically saying, would you pack your casket with everything and where we're going, we're going to invest seed that will bring forth a harvest in generations to come. Yes, we will see some in our time, but there's many more that will come because of the seeds that have been planted. So it won't be an easy ride, but it'll be a wild ride. It'll be something that you will be able to look at and say, I am so grateful that God, he gave me this generation to live in and to serve in, that this is the timing of the Lord. So, Lord, again, as one uh, church related to Living Waters Church, we say, God, let the blessing of God rest upon this couple who have invested their lives in this region and now go to a new region to invest in a broader way. Let the blessing of God carry them every step of the way. I pray that you would order their steps, Father, from every single thing. Like they joked a little bit, although I know it's not always joking about getting rid of stuff. Well, Lord, I pray that you would even give peace between them and peace about letting things go because we're not taking anything with us that is not a part of this journey for this season. So, Lord, let that grace rest upon them for peace as they walk it out in great grace. And as one family to another here at Family Life Church, we say, God, richly bless you. God, let his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 Well, we're so grateful to have Jack and Sandy with us today and sharing this new step that God is doing in their lives. So we do pray blessing upon them, and I pray blessing upon you as you go today. Let it be with the peace of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.